Well, hello folks, and welcome to a not unsuccessful yet disappointing We The Peeps. This is the American Soccer Podcast in which you're going to get to know everything that you need to know about the USMNT. I am Clayton, and I'm an artist. I'm Ty. I'm not good enough on the road in CONCACAF. And we love the Nets. <laughs> Natty to It's We The Peeps. It's We The Peeps. Welcome to We The Peeps. Are you ready for We The Peeps? Holy moly, it's We The Peeps. The game was USA versus Jamaica. Jamaica. You know what it is. This not your mama's Jamaica. Um, but it is your daddy's U.S. Mikhail Antonio's team now. <laughs> we just entered the Mikhail Antonio verse. Uh, what is happening? It's a place I don't mind being. <laughs> it is a place I don't mind being. Yes. If the opposing team was not my team, I would have been all over that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mikhail Damn Antonio, right. five stars, buddy. But um, sadly, it was at our expense. Spoiler alert, this game would end 1-1. We successfully drew on the road, folks. Uh, I say that with tongue firmly in cheek. We have... Job done. Job done. Got that precious point on the road. (laughs) We're going to talk about all this and much, much more. But first, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, Please hang out with us on Twitter if you feel like it. Don't do it if you don't feel like it. But if you do feel like it, do it. If you like Twitter, at WTPPod, we are on there. For time to time. Um, find us on YouTube. If you were with us on YouTube right now, if you had gone to your YouTube search bar, typed in We The Peeps or WTP Pod, you would have found our channel. If you had clicked subscribe, and if you had clicked that notification button, you would be with us live right now as we record, and you would know that I have a beautiful and illustrious screenshot of Man City's Man, he plays for Man City, and when he shows up on, when you Sometimes. search him on American Google, his name comes up Jack Stephen. Fantastic, with an actual picture of of Zach Stephen's face. Of Jack. Of Jack. <laughs> of your boy, Jack. When he when he plays badly, he's, that's what we'll call him now. <laughs> there was a there was a moment or two where I thought Jack's Jack Stephen might come out, but it was. Jack Steven appeared a couple, a couple times, times. Last night. He was there. It was not pretty. He was there. It was not pretty. Um, and of course, uh, thank you all for your five star reviews. We have made it to our Centenario 100 five star reviews, and we are already seeing the positive effects on our uh, on our in our numbers. Frankly, so if you're new to the pod, thank you for being here. We love having new people. You are in the right place. Uh, to learn about the Nats, to connect with other people who love the Nats, and to commiserate about how joyous and underwhelming this team can really be. Um, you are the peeps. We love you. We also crossed another milestone recently, Clayton. What What you got? Your boy, Amos, was our 200th YouTube subscriber. The Doble Centenario. The, the Don. <laughs> Amos. Ugh. 
He's and like we're, we're Forrest Gump. We're already up to Gump. 203. We're already up to 203. Fantastic. And if, if this is, I want to uh, mobilize the We the Peeps army on this because if we get to 1,000, then we can make a very depressingly low amount of money from our YouTube channel. So if you would like to help us reclaim a tiny fraction of the opportunity cost <laughs> that we put in to this endeavor, please subscribe to us on YouTube because if we get to a thousand, then we can make a couple pennies per live stream. Yes, we can stem the bleeding, as I like to say. Um, it's not Jack Steven money, but, <laughs> but it'll do for me. Jack Steven is balling in the real estate industry. Uh, not so good in the football industry. But hey, um, many of you have already uh, helped us out on the financial front by going to patreon.com slash WTPpod and contributing five bucks per month to our essentially fundraiser for um, for underprivileged podcasts uh, like ours. <laughs> <laughs> and we are so underappreciated. We are underappreciated podcasts. We are so grateful. We are yeah. We're fully privileged. <laughs> I want to be clear about that. Uh, let's yeah. Let's but, let's walk that one back. Yeah, <laughs> but we are underappreciated. <laughs> we're not saying we deserve it. We're just saying we want your money. <laughs> we're saying it's not that hard for you, and we want yeah. it. Um, and we're super grateful for it. That's the other thing we're saying is that it does make a difference. It takes a lot of time to do the pod. So thank you for helping us out. And if you haven't done that already, uh, consider it. It's a, it's a fun way to know that you're contributing to U.S. soccer culture and thereby making the world a slightly better place uh, and slightly uh, stronger uh, U.S. national team, we believe, because it begins with the culture. Okay, I think that's it. End of housekeeping, question mark? Dee-dee-doo-dah it, up, it is. Let's line them up. Both gloves. Who's your boy? Jack Steven. Enter the Stevenverse. The homie. <laughs> the homie. <laughs> Jack Steven. All day, baby. Uh, we're going to have the... Um, the... Uh, rich... What do we... What is this? It's... The Richard Zimmerman... Zimmerman? Richard Zimmerman. We, we got to work on this. We got to work on rich, this. Rich Walker. Walker Rich. Get at us on Twitter. What you got? Walker Zimmerman. And of course, Chris Richards. So happy to see you. Big body Chris Richards. It's your boy. Andre DeYedlin. Body. Big body. God, that kid filled he out. He filled out. Damn. Holy shit. I don't think we underestimated. I think when we looked up his stats, he we grew. had not seen yeah. his body in a while. <laughs> the man has filled yes. out. Uh, we've got Andre DeYedlin on the right and Anthony Jedi, Jedi Flip Robinson of the light side mm. of the force. You know him. You love him. He is not your father. He is not your father. This just in. <laughs> not, your in the not your father's <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> he is your only hope. Oh, Anthony. In the midfield, we had... <laughs> Jamaica's only hope. I am... He's <laughs> Jamaica's only hope. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we, in the midfield, we are going to have Tyler Adams at the six, of course. We are also going to have Eunice Lovem. Eunice, Eunice Noam, Eunice Lovem, Eunice Musa. The UN, Miss Musa, no? Ooh. Do we like that? Ooh. Does that suck or is that good? M USA. M USA. The UN Miss USA. The UN Miss USA. Something like that. And then, of course, soft golf claps. 
for the Booze Cruise. Welcome on in, Gianluca Busio. Booze Cruise. Booze Cruise time. Let's do it. Uh, up front, uh. we have... <laughs> um, up front, I... No. All aboard. <laughs> All aboard. All aboard the Venetian <laughs> booze cruise. Is that is that what anyone says <laughs> ever? The Venetian booze cruise down those tiny, tiny oh streams. My God. Okay. Yes. Up front, day drunk. we are gonna have I feel day drunk on this lineup right now. <laughs> Up front we're gonna have uh Brendan AA Ron Swansong. We are gonna have Timothy future leader of the free world, current leader of the USMNT, Wea, and Ricardo Pepe Le Pew 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 at the nine. That was our starting lineup, folks. The US would come out in this looking imperial, fantastic. It was a beautiful opening 10 to 15 for the US, which would be capped off by a lovely uh, quick passing play um, in which uh, Tim Weah would ultimately make a Jamaican defender look like a total hologram, a paper-thin piece of paper. Um, De Cordova Reed, was it? One of them. I believe that was Bobby Reed, who uh, would feature later. Who would in feature this later in this as tale. well. Um, Ignominiously. Quite so. Uh, Tim Weah somehow, after dribbling through Bobby De Cordova Reed, Gets his right foot around this and squibs one to the far post. It's a nice this goal. This was like a FIFA glitch. It was a weird-ass goal. goal. I could not believe this went in, yeah. Um, but it's typical it. Tim Weah. The dribble is typical Tim Weah shit. He's like water, Absolutely. this guy. Um, the finish on, is, is just, you know, you, you win some, you lose some, and we won this one. And it seemed like it would be Tim Weah's day. And then, and then, a few, just a few plays later, a few plays later, Mikhail Antonio would dribs at dribs against Tyler Adams, leave him in the dust, and take the rip of all rips. Quick question. Okay, so this is an absolute tracer beam, as they say, to the upper 90-ish. Upper 90-ish. Does Matt Turner save this? Yes, yes, he does. Matt Turner absolutely saves right. this. Okay, the, the, there it uh, is. That's, this is exactly what I'm thinking as this goal is going in. Is This is usually where we enter the Turnerverse. This is the... And instead not, we enter the Jack night. Stephen uh, lunchroom. <laughs> fantasy lunchroom. <laughs> Jack Stephen fantasy Costco. Everything is baloney. <laughs> <laughs> meatloaf for days. Um, oh, meatloaf for so days. So it was 1-1 and the complexion of this game... Jack's meatloaf shack. The complexion of this game changed entirely uh, after this, folks. The entire totally. rest of this game would be... What to me is a little bit of a mishmash of chances, fouls, and um, the turf being, you know, kicked up. There were a couple important moments. One is Christian Pulisic coming into the game. Always important. Comes in with about 20 minutes left in this one. The other is Bobby D. Cordova-Reed, as Ty so kindly mentioned. Um, there's... There's a, a broken wow. play. There's a broken play here that happens, and uh, it bounces out. It bounces out to your boy. And upon watching the replay, it's like, it's like he started. Uh, what's the opposite of a celebration? Your reaction when you miss. He started freaking yes. out about missing yeah. before he kicks this ball. He's he's gifted an open net, and and skies it. So the U.S. somehow got out of that one, and that was not the only time. 
when Jamaica should have gone ahead in this game. There was, in fact, an actual goal off of a corner kick uh, for Jamaica, which was ruled a foul on Walker Zimmerman. And that is generous at best. Uh, it was Jamaica got conca-calf. Jamaica got conca-calf hard. Um, I didn't see a foul. I saw a lot of coordinated U.S. complaining. Physical soccer being played, and not a foul by my in my. Book. And I saw Walker Zimmerman uh, looking as light as we found out that he actually is the other day when we looked up his weight. Exactly. He's, turns out the guy's ninety six pounds. One hundred and twenty pounds. He's all bones. <laughs> Uh, Almost. So, he's, he's inflated. <laughs> so this game is all hair, actually. This game would uh, would end 1-1. Ty, what were your first impressions? The last couple months of U.S. soccer have given us clear evidence that the United States is the best team in CONCACAF. I don't think there should be any doubt. Even the front page of the Mexican newspapers were calling the United States the best team in CONCACAF. Canada might have something to say about that. We'll get to that. Last night was not a great performance. It was the U.S. doing worse than it should in World Cup qualifying. And that was reflected in the result. And that was reflected in the fact that the U.S. easily could have lost the game. And we have to remember that had we not had seven games of qualifying under our belt in which we were able to build up this confidence, this performance would have been very disturbing. It would have been concerning. So I think we need to take this in stride. Yes, it is positive that the U.S. got out of there ultimately with a point when maybe we deserve not even to get a point. And yes, we are in a good position in the table. But this performance did give us some warning signs and some things that we need to heed going into future matches because Jamaica is a difficult opponent, but it's an opponent we should be beating if we're going to be the best team in CONCACAF. Fair enough. Why didn't we beat Jamaica? <clears throat> to me, it felt like the team was a little bit disjointed. There wasn't a strong fluidity and connection between the midfield and the attack. And so I, there were a lot of plays that just kind of broke down late in uh, chance creation. And then you had some individual errors. And so, of course, this can come from um, just changing the personnel so much. You know, it's we have to remember that the U.S. is missing probably four starters or five starters from what we would consider to be an optimal lineup. Um, but, you know, in the course of a, a long campaign, that's going to happen. And, and in theory, the system that we have should enable our players to, to uh, step up. But I'm not overly concerned about the fact that the U.S. had a bad performance because they had such a good performance against Mexico. And I, I don't feel like there's there's a great deal to be worried about in the future. But I hope that the U.S. is able to take the, the right lessons from this and, and correct some of the things that were not clicking uh, and make sure that people have a good understanding of what the game plan should be and move forward from there. Every time we get through a game like this without going off the qualification track... We are the winners because we have such a young team. So to me, you know, Busio getting a start in a game that was against a Total. solid op opponent away, gaining this experience and having it go okay is extremely valuable. Um, yes. Yunus Musa going away in CONCACAF and playing 90. 
think he, I think he went 90. And doing well. And doing pretty well. is extremely valuable for us. Tim Weah getting another goal is extremely valuable for us. There's one thing that I, I feel like it's easy to overlook, which is that Burhalter did a really nice job slotting in a couple important players that needed minutes to relieve, uh, relieve minutes for others in Chris Richards and Gianluca Busio without fucking with the whole formula too much. I think, as usual, in the Greg Burhalter experience, I think we're getting just enough, a little too late. He learned from making, what was it, seven starting changes and then losing away to a weak opponent in CONCACAF um, earlier in qualifying. I believe he has learned well, from that experience. And I believe that we will not see that mistake happen again. Um, I think this is typical for the Greg Berhalter experience. And it is what I've come to expect. But it is a relief for me because, as you know from the last episode, I fully expected seven changes. And that's not what we saw. So I was I was happy about that. That that makes me optimistic. Okay, I, I buy that. And yeah, it's it's one of those things like when you're uh, when you have a, a baby, you can tell the baby not to touch the radiator. But until the baby touches the radiator, they're not going to learn. <laughs> yeah. Craig touched And Greg Berhalter has been touching every fucking radiator in sight <laughs> for the last like two years. Just p- pulling all this random shit, like changing the formation for big games and swat, you know, making crazy personnel choices and things like that. And I think you're right. I mean, it, it, this is exactly the kind of spot where Greg would have gregged harder previously. So the fact that he was a little bit more consistent is definitely a positive sign. Now, the one point of consistency that we really just didn't totally agree with is this uh, Jack Steven question. Yeah. I mean... So we like... we You know us. You love us. We like Matt Turner away. Um, Matty Two Hands, It's Matty baby. Two Hands, son. He's got two hands. <laughs> Enter the Turnerverse. So it's, what could go it's wrong? Di- it's difficult. It's difficult. <laughs> what could go wrong? It's difficult because Michaela Antonio's shot is... is Almost once in a lifetime. Uh, it's a fucking tracer beam. I mean, seriously. But it is it is savable. It's not. It was not upper ninety. It was not as sick as it looked the the first time you saw it on TV. It was much more towards the center of the goal. And and uh, Stephen um, <laughs> just about saves it. I mean, he gets fingertips to it, but his body position isn't right. He's not prepared for it, and his he he doesn't get his feet set in time, and so his like leap towards the ball is just not very strong yeah and i just feel like matt turner just has that on lock that's like 100 classic turnerverse moment yeah it's a classic turnerverse moment and it's also with turner it's about um the rhythm of the game he's a player who is constantly ready for michael antonio to have the shot of his life he's that's that's matt turner's game he's ready he's waiting for that whereas jack steven is far more uh, sort of needs things to go the way they're expected to go. He's a better athlete, straight up. He's better at sports, but he's psychologically a different profile. He, yes. And it's interesting because we haven't gotten to know Matt Turner very much as a human being, as U.S. fans. He's just kind of this rogue figure who suddenly, (laughs) you know, popped into the lineup. So he doesn't have the same character that uh, that Stefan has because we, you know, Stefan was with the U20s and he was yeah. this like highly touted player. And we know his whole story going to Freiburg, coming back to to college and then to MLS. So 
And then the Man City thing, like he's just a much more like interesting story, you know. But there is something there in Matt Turner's psychology that is really different. Like the guy, he just seems like a, he's one of those weird guys who harnesses his weirdness to be good at at something esoteric, like having balls kicked at you. <laughs> and he loves it. He loves it. He loves it. Um, <laughs> what happened in that Canada game? Because you're texting me about it. Amos is texting me about it. I feel like I need to get caught up on this. So Canada pulled a move that I, I didn't expect in moving their home game. So I, I kind of just assumed, maybe I'm out of the loop, but I just assumed that they were playing in Toronto. But they moved this game to uh, Edmonton. And they were playing in, I believe it was 14 degrees Fahrenheit, 5-degree uh, wind chill, snow all around the side of the field, on turf with football lines. Oh, hell yeah. Let's fucking go. And this was 100% tailored to beating Mexico. And it's a, it's an absolutely brilliant strategy because they they it was the coldest game ever recorded for the Mexican national team. And it showed. They're they're not ready to do that. They're not suited for that. You got guys who are playing in Guadalajara one week and then they're flying the next week on a on a Tuesday and they're playing in Edmonton. That that makes absolutely no sense. And it would, it would be very, very difficult to acclimate just as much as with altitude or just as much as with heat and humidity. It's an advantage that Canada can draw on. And so anyway, their, their performance was very good. They were, they were, they were tight. They were aggressive. They were flying down the field with, you know, Fonzie and Kyle Laren and Jonathan David. The Fonz. The Fonz. And they're, they're, they're good. They're for real. They definitely can't match the U.S. and Mexico pound for pound on talent. I would say that even despite the result yesterday. But they have a team spirit. They have an identity. They have smart tactics. They have good coaching. And they just have this, this energy to them. So it, it really feels like they're, they're the team of destiny in CONCACAF uh, this go around. And this, this result was kind of like their their uh, statement of intent about not not just competing for for that third spot but really going for going after the US and Mexico to try to be superior dude hell yeah so you contrast that move from a federation that is a federation move right maybe there was a to to move the game to a for a game at for a competitive it's, it's a federation move you know who who knows where who knows where it came from but it's 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 savvy af it's savvy it's savvier AF. than i've seen our federation be ever about with anything with the game location choices yeah. yeah it's ridiculous so i hope we can learn. we have we have a wide variety i mean we can we can take iceland to the desert we can take you know brazil up to maine we we can do whatever we want we've got we've got like a the the full spectrum of of climate options right you know depending and, on what time of year and so there is a yeah so there's that and then there's also the obvious the, the more um maybe the more relevant competitive advantage that you and i have been talking about for a long time which is tailoring your ticket prices and location to have a strong pro u.s crowd that can we just absolutely yeah they had an incredible raucous pro canada crowd 
The building there is not the greatest. You know, it's old school. It's got the track. It's, there's there's you know more space around the field, but they the the crowd was intense and up for it. And you know, Canadians do anything. They they get drunk. They go out in the ten degree cold. That's what they do. And and it was it's just a natural uh, natural thing to do. So they were just there um, already. So we, bro. Oh, game. <laughs> um, why is the puck round? Uh, <laughs> so they 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 came up big. They you know all credit to Canada. Um, H Huss in the chat is talking about that this this U.S. Canada game is going to be fantastic. There's been some discussion about where this will be held because obviously the 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 cold is not the same advantage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, against the U.S. as it is uh, against Mexico. But I can't wait to see the 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 epic rematch. The first qualifier, the one that was in the U.S., was not super epic. Felt like a little bit of a feeling out between the two teams. Yeah, it was a stalemate. But since then, the U.S. has made has had some statement uh, victories. Canada has had some statement victories, and it's going to be it's going to be a, a great clash um, to see if the U.S. can kind of assert superiority or if Canada can can uh, start to claim that maybe they're at our level as well. Yay, yay. Ty, what is coming up for our fair Nats? When is the next time we'll be with the peeps? So and it's going to be a little reason? while. The next camp is at the next camp is at the end of January. So it's end of January, early February. So we've got a good two months before the U.S. will take the field again. And this will blow your mind, Clayton. We've been doing World Cup qualifying for like, I don't know, a week and a half. All of a sudden... There are two windows left, two camps left what? in World Cup qualifying. Make or break. Oh my this God. is it. There's a camp at the end of January, and there's a camp in March. Finito. What's going on right now with the table is that four teams have separated themselves from the pack. So you have Panama, Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, all separated by two points in total. Canada's on 16. Mexico and Panama on 14, the U.S. with 15. And so anything can happen between those, those teams. You know, I'm pretty confident that the U.S. is going to come up with, with wins in its remaining home games, which are Panama, Honduras, and El Salvador. But of course, Panama's been better than we expected at every turn. They've been better in this tournament than anyone expected. And they could, of course, pull off a, a surprising result. So this is crunch time for qualifying. It's pretty certain that the U.S. is going to end up in one of those top four spots. It'd be, it's hard to envision that not being the case. But if we fall into that fourth spot, of course, we'd have to go into a playoff against a team from another confederation in order to qualify for the World Cup. And that is a fate that all of these four teams would rather avoid. So the battle is going to be uh, very intense to go through in those automatic qualifying spots and also to have the bragging rights of coming in first in a very competitive and very... Uh, very intriguing qualifying group of nations. Is it possible that we fail to qualify? I mean, numerically. It's it is numerically possible, yeah. Okay. But we would have to basically lose our you know most of our remaining games, and um, and other teams would have to have good results. So okay, it's it's very difficult to envision that. It's it's difficult to envision us not at least making that playoff okay. at this point. Okay. Well, uh, how soon is it possible for us to be numerically locked in? So I can finally I thought smoke about a this spliff. as well. So 
Exactly. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, if the U.S. were to get nine points from the next window, which to date has not happened in any of these, win the U.S. has not had a perfect window, so that would be breaking precedent. But if the U.S. were to get nine points and um, uh, one of the other teams in that quartet were to get no points, it would be possible for the U.S. to be qualified. So those are unlikely outcomes. So what we're probably looking at is that if passed as precedent, the U.S. will get six points from the next window, which is, I believe it's the Panama and El Salvador home game. I forget. It's two of the home games. And then it's the away you're... game with uh, Canada. Yeah, please look that up. So we've got the two home games and the away game with Canada. Guessing that's going to be an average of six points. I wish it was more, but that's just right. what I'm guessing. So I'm just going to say real quick, it's El Salvador, January 27th, and then it's Canada, January 30th, and then it's Honduras, February 2nd. Cool. So I'm guessing the U.S. is going to get six points from that. That means we're going to be ahead, uh, you know, in one of those top three spots, and we will be in pole position to mathematically qualify during the March window. But I, don't, I think it's very unlikely that we, were, we could mathematically qualify in the next window. Okay. And I have another... Uh, there's something else that came up on my Google search here, along with Jack Steven and those three World Cup qualifiers. It is a USA versus Bosnia-Herzegovina game on December 18th. Yes. Is this real? Yes, that's right. I totally forgot about this. So yeah, in the meantime, the Federation has scheduled a... Not a January camp game, but a... December game, because the qualifiers are at the end of January, which is usually when we'd have that January camp game, they're going to do an MLS heavy roster to do a short camp to play in this friendly. So this will be kind of like a sideshow, you know, maybe a, a little bit of a tryout for some of the players to see if they can crack into the, the, the first team. So I'd expect it to be all, you know, MLS regulars who don't usually play with the national Cade team. Cowell. Cade Cowell. Cade It'll Cowell. It'll be your, Cade the Cade Cowell. Cowells of the world, absolutely. And what that will do, basically, is they will still have a January camp. It just won't have a friendly at the end of it. It will be kind of like potentially, you know, merged in with something to do with the qualifying camp and things like that. But everything's all cattywampus because of the COVID uh, reshuffle that happened in all of world uh, events um, that were still unwrinkling do you so that's crazy so we'll hang out with you for bosnia herzegovina um oh yeah we'll lay Can't eyes wait. on that drink a beer um, drink a beer do you know anything about the under 19s how that went um it's a lot there's a lot going on the 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 u20 team the u20s yeah yeah the the u20 team is in a, a new tournament which is called the revelations cup i think which is like oddly biblical like <laughs> nobody <laughs> Nobody ran that by anybody. Um, they were playing a number of strong teams. I think it was like Brazil, Mexico, and one other good team. I forget. And they had kind of indifferent results. I think they had two losses and a draw. But the thing is, this U20 team for the U.S. has had virtually no time together. It was the first opportunity for a lot of them to play together. So really, the results are are secondary to the chemistry that they're building and uh, and you know how they're how they're looking. But that generation, that group of, of players, is very, very exciting. It's got uh, your, your Cade Cowles and your uh, Caden Clarks and, and so on. All, all, the, all the teenagers who you see in MLS week after week pop up with some, you know, unbelievable name and <laughs> come up with like a random debut hat trick. 
Correct. They're getting called. I want to pull up. I want to. You've got you've got Paxton Aronson. Paxton Aronson, uh, Brandon Cervania. No, this is old. This is outdated. Hold on. That's old. That's old. Um, yeah. Brandon Brandon Cervania. Oh my god. Sorry, he's, sorry, sorry, sorry. He's done. Dusty. He's done and dusted. He's the old news. Um, anyways, there are some there are some some interesting names. There was a very good shout out to Scuffed podcast about how this this current uh, crop of under twenties is considered less good than um, other generations in part because of, which happened in part because of COVID quarantine, which hit at a very critical time for this group of players. Ricardo Pepe is kind of the exception uh, to this general rule. Um, I find it hard to believe, but when you think about the fact that uh, the previous, you know, U20 um, experience involved... Yeah, the... Yeah, Pulisic the, the not even being able to be there. Are currently starring for the national team in qualifying. Yeah, Pepe Pepe is like a 2004 or some shit. Like yeah. it's crazy. So the 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 recent young generations have been so successful that it it's hard to keep up. Yeah, exactly. You know, but the the thing is, like you would think that um, that COVID effect would occur for all countries right you'd think so maybe yeah. were we uniquely affected? no no so, i don't i didn't i haven't heard anything about how it affected other countries right so it's right fair so play. so then then one one would think that when it comes to qualifying when it comes to an actual world cup that's one thing but when it comes to kind of you know integrating with the senior team of course that's gonna be be a factor but hopefully hopefully that's a brief you know bump and yeah. not something that we look back on as we did in the prior world cup qualifying camp when it came to this huge gap you had between Donovan and Dempsey and Pulisic. Yeah. You know, 12-year gap of, like, virtually no elite talent. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting, right? We're set up for this situation where there's this generation of players that's far superior to any other generation, followed by a generation of players not good enough to replace them, um, likely not good enough to replace them. A few names on this under-20 squad are probably going to be in the picture, um, and will feature in in ways similar to folks like Brendan Aronson. So he's not perhaps the he's he's a surprise you know plus for the for us rather than a uh, Gio Reyna or Christian Pulisic locked in starter. Absolutely. And I had a thought watching this game, if I may, which is that we I remember there was like a a month where like Adams, Wea, and Pulisic were all hurt badly like it didn't look good like Pulisic was out for a couple months and way had the really long-term injury and Adams had the he had like a back thing that never would go away Wait, yeah there was and we had a conversation yeah. where we were like we were like if one of them works out that's great we'll take it that's right that's where we were at and so I was just counting my blessings last night that I was watching Tim Weah who I had thought like might be done I thought the guy might be like a you know, one of those players who has an early injury and just never Juan is Agadello. able to live up to his promise. Juan Agadello-ish. He has become so much better than I thought he could become. So much more important than I thought he could become. And it's like, damn, not only do we have like four or five really great role players who are, you know, coming up, but those role players are pushing to be just as good as the elite guys yeah we, we were going into this camp saying brendan aronson is a better player than christian pulisic which i think is is maybe not is a little hyperbolic but is is like 
less unreasonable than one might think. He, Brendan Aronson I think Brendan is Aronson is an elite player. Brendan Aronson is capable of having a better game than Christian Pulisic on any given day. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I, and it's it's so heartening to see. It's not we don't have these like shining lights that we have to get lucky and make sure that they're on their game and make sure that they're present. You know, we we have such a deep pool of talent that we almost forget like mm-hmm. these random ass 20-year-olds who are playing in in uh top European leagues and doing well. We almost forget. Um I had I I was I'm so excited to test my eye the next chance I get. I did not watch these under 20 games, but one of my favorite games to play is watching youth teams and trying to pick who's going to be the next big thing. It's so much fun. I'm so bad at uh, this. I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm at fucking this. fire on this. I got hit, son, <laughs> on the field versus Jamaica. Uh Gianluca Busio I, was was a hard pick for me. Chris Richards, hard pick, along with Sergio. Chris Richards Desch. was easy. Everybody got everybody got Chris Richards. I don't know though, because that same camp, people were there was all kinds of other names going around. All kinds of names were being said. Paxton Aronson, for instance, or Paxton, uh, not pa- Paxton, Paxton Pomacall, Paxton Pomacall Paxton for Pomacall instance, who I was yeah. never. I, I certainly I'm, would have said Paxton Pomacall better career than Tim Weah. And, it, and after I was that Tim U20 Weah hard yeah. in that moment. You were, you my, were my, hardcore my biggest Tim miss right now. You. My biggest miss right now is Richie Ledesma. That's that's who is. Yeah, that's that's you're 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 thinking with your heart. There, I was, you know, he, he just. It is what it is. He's he's like exactly what you wanted to be as a high school <laughs> soccer player. Rangy attacking midfielder. It's all good. You can't with hair. You can't always be right. You can't always be right. So maybe though, right. maybe sports science. One thing that occurs to me with, with and what, Paxton Pomacall is what I want to exactly, be as a soccer exactly. player. Exactly. Like, One thing that uh, occurs to me as you were as you were <laughs> discussing those injuries to to Wea and Adams is sports science that. And I think of that with Ansu Fati as well, mm. that we are in yes, an yes, age yes. where, one, these players are being played more than ever at a young age because we realize how valuable their sell-on cost can be. So this is a modern sort of pheno- financial phenomenon that's happening. And then they are getting injured worse earlier than ever. And then they are getting healed better than ever. There's this, all these sooner, <laughs> and sooner and better and coming back stronger. <laughs> Um, there's, I think that we would have lost players like Tyler Adams and Ansu Fati to the sands of time, uh, in just a decade ago. In the eighties. Um, in the eighties. Yeah. yeah. Just the early 2000s. Yeah. Actually, there was probably a half-life. Yeah, yeah. In the eighties, everyone got injured that bad and Tyler Adams would just be a warrior until he was 26 and retire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah exactly, and then yeah. there, then he would get lost in the nineties and early two thousands. And now we're, we're back to, to peak performance, uh, Adams, which we're, I hear you. We're I hear so you. Lucky. Yeah. It's interesting to think about also in context of, um, what Tom Brady is doing, which is, which is basically it's. It, it it's giving a dream to every athlete who thinks they can beat time too, that this guy is actually doing it. And it's like, well, let's say Tyler Adams, for instance, like is able to take care of himself the way that Tom Brady's taking care of himself and has access to all of the treatment and had, you know, how long can someone like that actually go in this day and age? Let's find out. 
We'll find out. We'll find out. Well, Zlatan, Maybe the golden the generation first... will be like thirty years. I know. You know, and for the so US. what? It... Yeah, Zlatan is the, is the Tom Brady of of uh, right. A little less so, football. right? But Zlatan, yeah. Messi, and Ronaldo are showing us a, a pilot program for sports science right now. Messi created Correct. by sports Correct. science. You know, would not have been tall enough. Yes, created in a um, in a lab. Yeah. Last thing is that this, although our youth development is stronger than it's ever been, I think we should buckle up for this to be um, the show for a while. Because at this point, it's gonna be very hard for someone to replace people like Pulisic and Gio Reyna and Tyler Adams ever for the rest of their career. It's very unlikely that these players will get surpassed for quality um, because, especially because the opportunities will be less and less for the players that come behind them. It is likely that we will see a uh, a team centered around these players for a long, long time, a l- and then a little bit too long, and then a team centered around a next generation of players. I'm not sure if I agree, because this generation has the opportunity to do things in Europe that are unignorable. Like previously, to fight out the prior generation, you would have had to have chances in national team opportunities, because that was your biggest stage. But if Brandon Aronson goes to Manchester United and he becomes Bruno Fernandes, which is very much in the realm of possibility, then, of course, he would be preferred over Gio. Interesting. We'll find out. This is what I'm, I'm willing to we'll say this is how I think it's going to go right now. I, th- I think we are seeing the, the Mount Rushmore for the next 10 years, uh, and everything else will fit in and around it. And then... That and they will be fo- they will be the focus of this team for a little bit too long. And just just imagine, I mean, there's no World Cup qualifying next time. But but in in roughly five years, hopefully we're watching these players in the middle of their career as grown ass men playing in the World Cup in the United States. Hell yeah! Pinch me, pinch me. All right, I love a lot of things. Uh, I love all of the various uh, sparkling seltzer options, of which there are many. They're all great. They're all they, great. The seltzer is way better than when we were kids. It's improved. Uh, the seltzer Damn, youth it's improved. De- seltzer development is way improved in America. <laughs> um, Started academies for little seltzers all over so the country. We learned so much from Germany. <laughs> I, I like white rice. I'm saying boring things that I like today. I like white rice. Give me some white rice. Hook it up, dog. Come on. And I am also okay with that TV show on Netflix called The Repair Shop. Very boring, but soothing. It's just easy. But I don't love any of that stuff. As much as I love the Nats, let's go, boys. Goodbye, people. It's We the Peeps. It's We the Peeps. Welcome to We The Peeps. Are you ready for We The Peeps? Holy moly, it's We The Peeps.